But one of the things that I did a lot is I was like, God, you don't want us to be in debt, period. Like, I know that. And if I'm trying to get out of this, can you please just help me? Yeah. And I promise if you give the work, if you provide the opportunity, I'll do the work. If you open the door, I'll walk through it. I promise you that. And I think that when we really just open this up to him and we don't try to compartmentalize it as our problem over here. But if we go, God cares about this, too. He doesn't want me to be mm -hmm. in debt. He's going to help you. And he does help you. And we saw that happen. Uh, Sam and I, my husband and I saw that help happen in our lives for sure. Well, what's up, guys? We hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally. I'm Josiah Keneally. We're your hosts. This is the Young Adults Today podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Venture. Venture is a church planting and community development nonprofit that really works with the toughest places of the world serving war refugees, trafficked people, oppressed children, and the unreached. And through Venture Miles, you can make your miles matter by going on adventure hikes. You can go biking, running, raising funds, and also bringing forth awareness in the process. Look, Venture is something that we are both incredibly passionate about. We give to and support. And man, we're both Venture alumni of different programs and runs. And we'd encourage you to check out more at www.youngadults.today slash partners. Imagine if you could go and talk to some of the greatest leaders all around the world and ask them one simple question. What is your daily prayer life like? Well, myself and Cam Doolittle and Peter Greer were able to do this with amazing leaders like Francis Chan and John Mark Comer, John Ortberg, Johnny Erickson Tata. And then we expanded our search to global church leaders in six different continents whose ministry and leadership covers over 100 different countries. And what we discovered was absolutely incredible. People around the world were being led by the Holy Spirit to have similar prayer lives, from a New York financier to someone working in a refugee camp in a war zone. Their prayer lives started looking similar and their patterns were emerging. And we took all those patterns and put them together in a book called Lead with Prayer, a study in the prayer lives of extraordinary leaders around the world. There's a study that said that a supermajority of leaders are not satisfied with their prayer lives and the prayer culture where they lead. And this book, We're Praying, can launch a movement of prayer amongst leaders. And this is a chance for all of us to sit at the feet of praying leaders around the world and learn how to pray as leaders. Imagine what would happen if God's leaders around the world started truly becoming people of prayer change everything. This is the Young Adults Today podcast where we talk about the faith of the next generation, reaching young adults in our world mm -hmm. today. And today's episode is especially for you. If, if you ever feel anxiety or stress when it comes to money and finances, mm -hmm. maybe in the new year you have some goals and one of those goals might be to get on a budget or to pay off debt or to save for the future. Um, the sky is the limit. Our guest today is Jade Warshaw. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. We are so thrilled to have you. And I say this every time, and I'm not going to stop saying it. It is so fun to have another female guest on the show. So if you're tuning in and you're listening, Jade is, if you do not know her, you need to get to know her. We've only been a couple of minutes and she is just, she smiles sunshine. That's what I would say. She has a wonderful <laughs> smile. 
Just I am joy. a happy person. What there, can I, I say? I love it. That's a good place to be. Well, and Jade, she is the personal finance expert and co-host of the Dave Ramsey Show. If you did not know that, audience, she serves as a debt elimination expert. We all need to eliminate that debt, right? Financial coach and a co-host of the Dave Ramsey Show. Jade has a professional background in the entertainment and has performed in over 92 countries Amazing. worldwide. You got Woo-hoo. it. 92 countries. I love that. She is also the author of a brand new book, Money's Not a Math Problem. And today she's our guest on the Young Adults Today podcast. So welcome to the show. We are so thrilled to have you. And to kick things off, Jade, how about you just share a little of your journey, life story, how you got to where you are today? Wow. Um, that's, I always love that question. And it's like, in my head, I'm always going back to like, I was born on a cold day in Spokane, Washington, but nobody cares about that. All they care about is Jade. We heard that you had $460,000 of debt, consumer debt. And then we heard that you paid it off. How did you do it? That's really what people want to know. And so that's where I'll start. My husband and I graduated from college and back in 07 and a week after graduation, we got married, right? So it was super whirlwind, really fast. And at the time that we got married, we had no idea how much debt that we had combined. And early into that first year, it started to kind of show itself, right? Because you take out student loans and they're not due at first, right? You graduate and there's no bill, but six months into it, those bills start coming in. And so it was just this perfect storm of student loan payments becoming due, us realizing that we didn't really have careers and we didn't know what we wanted to do. And also the Great Recession started happening. And so it was like this horrible avalanche of circumstances. And it just um, caused us to start asking a lot of questions to each other and to ourselves. And that's how we realized, man, combined, we have a lot of debt. And we were both brought debt to the table. My husband brought the bulk of the student loans to the table. Uh, He had about 200,000. And then I had the other 30, 30 or so thousand. And so then we had two cars that we couldn't afford and credit cards and all these things. And it was like, all right, we need to do something. We need to come up with a plan. And it was in that moment that I realized, oh, there's this guy. What's his name? What's his name? Oh, yeah, Dave Ramsey. I think that he can help us. And so I told my husband a little bit about Dave and we found his radio show and podcasts had just came on the scene, you know, like as this thing that some people listened to, but some people didn't. And we found his podcast and went to Barnes and Noble and bought the Total Money Makeover workbook. And the rest is history, man. In seven and a half years, we were able to pay off that debt and really get to living our best lives, honestly. Dave, that is incredible. That's an inspiration, Mm -hmm. a ton of hard work. Take us back to that moment for a second. What were the emotions that you felt with that avalanche? What was that experience like? Describe some of how did it feel? What was that like for you guys as a a young married couple? I mean, I'll be honest. My my personality is I'm I'm like I said before, like I'm a happy go lucky person. I I generally look at challenges and I'm like, okay, like let's go do it. Like let's go solve it. My husband is not the same. Like he gets a little bit more like he's the warrior in the family. He's the one that's like, what if this doesn't happen? And so in those moments, it's really good that we balance each other out because I'm the one that's like, it's not a big deal. Like we got this, we'll do it. But he keeps me balanced by going, no, Jade, like this is a huge deal. Like we have to tackle this. And then I keep him balanced by him not like going into the depths of despair. I'm like, no, 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 this is great. We can do it. We can do it. So like we really did balance each other out. Um, That being said, I think we both understood like there is 
action that must be taken. We mm-hmm. both understood mm-hmm. that. Um, and it can't wait. And more than that, we had sat down and really dreamed about what we wished our life would be. And both of us understood that if we did not make the changes that we needed to make, those dreams that we had would never happen, right? Like we'd never be able to support the size of family that we wanted. We'd never be able to, you know, everybody has those things on their list of, oh, one day I'd like to do this. And one day I'd like to do that. And the way that our debt was and the amount of our monthly payments, none of that was going to be possible. So we knew that we had to tackle this. And the day that comes to mind was the day that we went to Barnes and Noble to get the total money makeover workbook. I was super excited. I'm like, all right, we're finally doing something. And I think that's how a lot of people feel. They're like, all right, I got the book or I'm listening to the podcast or like I'm doing the worksheet. And you realize in that moment that the book is not the work, right? Like the the worksheet is not the work. Listening is not the work you realize, oh, I'm going to have to do like actual things. Like I'm going to have to make actual sacrifices to make this happen. Because I remember in the workbook, you write down, you write down your income and it's like, yes, I checked that box. And then you write down your bills and you're like, okay, I filled that in. And then at the end, it's a math equation. And at the end it's negative. And then you realize, oh, so I can't solve it just by doing this worksheet. (laughs) And I just remember feeling that was my low moment of like, oh, okay. And then you start doing the math. I'm like, how long might this take? And then it was like, I don't want to do that math. That's too depressing. Let's just get started. (laughs) Oh my goodness. It's amazing. I mean, now you're out on the other side and we'll come back to different parts of your story. But what I want the listener to hear today is the, and and you're happy go lucky Mm -hmm. through the whole process. And I think that's an advantage, honestly, optimism. I mean, throw an optimist any problem and they're going to say, we can fix this. We got this. God's got this. Let's go. At the same time, talk about maybe even your husband. Like, what does he feel now? Does he worry less? Is Take us to that place of where are you at today? Because the debt's paid off. Yeah. I mean, today life is good. You know, I think the way we're both um, naturally bent hasn't changed a whole lot. Like I'm still, I'm always glass half full and he tends to veer on like the glass is not half empty, but it could tip over. Like he, he, he tends to just, I don't know. Like he's just that guy, like he's a straight line, like all the time. And so, like I said, it's the perfect balance for someone like me. Um, but yeah, I, look, the freedom and the peace that you feel when you pay off your debt is it's indescribable. And I'll be honest, if you've never experienced it, you can't know how to, you can't understand it because you've never had it. Most people we talk to, I mean, on the Ramsey show, we talk to folks every day who say, you know, they come and they want to do their debt-free scream. And we ask them, we're like, how does it feel to be debt-free? And most people say like, it feels like a weight was lifted off me or I, I felt like I was being held down and now I can move or I felt like I was being strangled. I felt like I couldn't breathe. And it's just this overall feeling of relief. And I vouch for that. You know, I I say all the time, you don't really realize how bad you felt and how weighed down you felt before, but it's like this weight is totally lifted off of your chest. It's like um, if you've ever lost a lot of weight or gotten on a healthy diet, it's like you didn't realize how sluggish you felt before. You didn't realize how low energy you felt before or how just generally like kind of blah that you felt before but then when you start eating right and you're juicing and you're right it's like oh my gosh like I feel great and it's the same way I feel like with this debt payoff you go to sleep and you just sleep at night 
you know, when you make plans and you know that you can accomplish them. And I think that there's this piece of whenever you set out to do something, right? I think everybody's one of one of the greatest fears that people have is I can't do the things I say I'm going to do, right? We we say, oh, I'm going to read my Bible every day or I'm going to be a better spouse. And some of us don't even try to start because we're afraid we're going to fail, right? Before we even start. And when you commit to this plan and you see it through, it just builds this well of confidence inside of you. That's like, hey, mm-hmm. I say that I'm going to do something and I do it. And with God's help, I can accomplish it. And it just, it creates that confidence to where anything else that you come up against, you're like, oh, I can do that. Like I did this, I can do that. And so for me, I think that's been the greatest, um, it's just really been the greatest gift out of all of this is like, hey, we do the things we say we're going to do. And if God is for us, like nothing's against us, we just have to embrace that. And that was, I'll be honest with you. I, I know I'm talking a lot here, but one of the things that I did a lot is I was like, God, you don't want us to be in debt, period. Like, I know that. And if I'm trying to get out of this, can you please just help me? Yeah. And I promise if you give the work, if you provide the opportunity, I'll do the work. If you open the door, I'll walk through it. I promise you that. And I think that when we really just open this up to him and we don't try to compartmentalize it as our problem over here, but if we go, God cares about this too. He doesn't want me to be in debt. He's going to help you. And he does help you. And we saw that happen. Uh, Sam and I, my husband and I saw that help happen in our lives for sure. Jade, I think that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing those elements of your story, because I think you're resonating a lot with anybody who feels like they're in over their head. I mean, I feel, I feel guilt sometimes when I buy groceries, I'm like we should have spent $250 on groceries. I'm like, we have the money to do it, but I'm like, there's this buyer's remorse of like, did I need it? Did I want it? Or did I have to have it? Like, <laughs> and right, really right, right. like, okay, Lord, give me the discipline to walk down the chip aisle and just say no to self and no to the temptation. And I think sometimes our audience where there's pastors listening, there's leaders, there's young adults. Um, so when it comes to like that freedom, like there's a financial freedom and burden that's lifted. And I think when there's a faith, there's a faith freedom that we get to experience too, because you already alluded to it. Like when God is for us, who can be against us? He does not want us to be in debt. He wants us to be fully free of ourselves, free of our sin, free of all these things that can just bombard us in the financial world, in the health world, in our own psyche, in the spiritual sense, all these different things, whether we're leading or maybe we're desiring to be in a form of leadership someday. And we can look at the next generation coming up and they are incredible entrepreneurs. They are mm-hmm. hungry. They want truth. They don't want fluff. They want to know how can they change the world around them, whether it's through finances, through travel, through engineering, something. So when it comes to the next generation, is there something that excites you beyond belief? Like you're like, yes, I'm excited about the next generation because of fill in the blank. I mean, I would say that it feels like the next generation is far more creative and far more in touch with who the uniqueness of who they are. Do you know what I mean? Like if you look on social media, I feel like don't get me wrong. Social media, there's a lot of negatives, but there's also a lot of positives. And I feel like a lot of the positives that I see are people really realizing like, all right, I have a contribution I want to make and I have real emotions and I have real things that I can bring to the table and it all matters and I can be creative. And I feel like one thing that we've seen with the tech era and the social media area is there's so many ways that you can impact people. Like, (laughs) this is silly, but my husband was showing me, uh, I walked in the room yesterday. I'm like, what are you looking at? He's like, this guy on TikTok, 
he just draws these lifelike portraits just using a pencil. And I'm like, that's crazy. And I just feel like this generation has really tapped into, it doesn't matter what it is, like whatever my talent is, I can use it to bless people and I can use it as a gift and I can monetize it and I can use it to draw people in. And I really like that because I'm a creative myself. And so I really enjoyed seeing uh, just an open mindset on how you can earn money, how you can create businesses, how you can draw people in, how you like if you're in ministry, how how you can draw people in using your ministry. Like this guy is drawing people with drawing portraits with pencils. Right. And it's like people are drawn in by that because his work is beautiful. And so I would just say that, you know, I love seeing that people are just embracing different avenues, right? When I was coming up, it was like, you get your degree, you go to school, you go to college and you work nine to five, right? And it wasn't a whole lot of thought to anything else, right? Because back then when I wanted to be a singer, everybody was like, what, you want to be a singer? You can't do that, you know? And I think that the generations now and, you know, Gen Zers and everything, they're like, oh, we can do whatever we want to do. Like, there's not really anything stopping us. And I, I truly, truly, truly love that. And I support that wholeheartedly because- I think that everybody has a unique contribution to offer and you never know what it's going to be. I thought I was going to be an entertainer for the rest of my life, but God was like, no, you're borrowing that for a while. And what I'm really going to do is tell folks about how you guys paid off debt. And that's going to be the way that you earn money. And that's going to be the way that you bless other people. And that's going to be your impact. And I just think that's cool. You never know. You never know what it's going to be. Yeah. That's beautiful. It is beautiful. And I think the world around us is absolutely changing and technology Mm -hmm. plays a part of it. And, um, you know, what social media plays a part of it, but also I think Gen Z plays a part of it Mm -hmm. and you hit something where they want to publish, they want to create, they want to add value, change the world, make a unique contribution, stay true to their values and Mm -hmm. who God's made them to be. And I just look at how the world is responding in our state. In Minnesota, our governor just tweeted that they are no longer requiring a four-year degree for any of their jobs. And so the world around us is changing. Higher education is changing. And um, I see a lot more resistance, whereas my generation, our generation of millennials, Mm -hmm. our generation was willing to go in, in debt to the tune of hundreds of thousands of dollars because they didn't, they had a fear of missing out on the college experience. I see with Gen Z, I mean, I think it's almost at times a fear of better options or a learning from millennials mistakes. And I think it's incredibly Mm -hmm. exciting. It's a great time to be alive because Mm -hmm. that dorm dream that God's given you, there's room for it. That problem that that maybe is a wrong that you want to make right, there's room for you to do that and for it to be not only your unique contribution, but your calling and your space yeah. of impact. And Jade, to circle around with this, why do you believe that the faith of the next generation matters so much and things like discipleship or leading a young adult ministry? Why is that so vital? Why do I feel their faith is important? Well, I mean, I think every generation needs leaders. And I think that everything that we do on a daily basis really is an opportunity to lead, right? Like we can say all day long, do this, do that. Like I have two young kids, right? I've got a three-year-old and a five-year-old and they're more so watching what I do, right? They, they're they looking at what I do. I can tell them all day, hey, when you come in the house, make sure you take your shoes off and wash your hands. But if I don't do that, then none of it matters, right? They're going to go, but mama, you didn't do it. You didn't wash your hands. So all they care about is what they see me doing. And I think that 
that's truly the best way to live is if you have a standard that you want upheld, the best way to do that is by living it. And then the people around you go, okay, like this is, this is how Jade does, or this is how, you know, whoever you are, this is your habit. And so you'll find that when you do that, the people around you begin to respect that. Even if they don't live their life the way that you do, people around me, they know if I see you with a credit card, you already know, I'm going to be like, put that credit card away. I'll pay and I'll pay in cash because I've made it. The people around me know I don't use credit. I don't borrow money. And I'm not mad at you if you do, but you already know when you're in my proximity, here's the standard. The folks around me know, like, we don't talk crazy about other people. Like we don't, cuss folks out. We don't talk bad about it. We don't gossip. So people know when they're in my vicinity, like don't do that. And so I think that's the best way to lead is by example. And I think that that's the most important thing, like knowing who you are, knowing what your standard is, and then letting that be the way you walk through life. And I think that, you know, with this conversation that we're talking about um, education and money and going into debt, all those things are such clear areas that you can really draw a line in the sand and go, What's the type of person I want to be? Am I going to be a type of person that goes into debt to get the things that they want? No, I'm not. And so we see there, again, necessity is the mother of invention. A lot of students are going, I don't want to go into debt for my education. What's something else I can do? How can I utilize what's already out there? How can I leverage technology and get the education I need? Because education doesn't have to be a four-year school, right? It can be, there's so many ways to learn now. And so I love that. And I love seeing people go, okay, I've got to earn money, but I don't want to go into debt and I don't want to use credit cards. What can I do? And once you've just kind of created that baseline of these are my beliefs, these are my standards, and certain things are never going to be on the table. You're not going to borrow money. You're not going to go into debt in order to do these things. It opens up your mind for new possibilities. And when you do that, you are setting a standard for people around you because they go, oh, this guy didn't go into debt. Maybe I don't have to go into debt either. Yeah. Or this guy, you know, and and when we do that, we are leading by example. So it's really, really important. That's so good. I think it just makes it because people watch by example, whether they're a believer, they're a non-believer, they're in financial ruins, or maybe they're living the same lifestyle we choose to live is um, there's one thing, two sayings, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And our spending habits become like, if if you look at the bank account, somebody said this one time and I was like, wow, that's so good. Show me your bank account and I'll show you where your heart is, where you're putting your money, how you're saving, spending, living, earning, giving, whatever it is. If it's not shown in your bank statements, that's a condition of your heart. If you're holding on or you're hoarding or you're spending, you know, and the heart of the church that we were once a part of when Josiah was on staff is they wanted to see the congregation financially free. They wanted them to experience the peace, to lay their head on their pillow at nighttime and just do what God's called them to do because money is a tool that we can use to leverage God's kingdom to better others, to give more, to, to sacrificially, you know, come alongside others in whatever season they might need some financial help. Mm-hmm. And but we need to get out of it ourselves. We need to get out of debt. We need to stay out of debt. And one thing that we did as a church congregation, if we signed up for it was to go get that Dave Ramsey starter kit. You got your box, you got all your paperwork. <laughs> and we literally went through like however many, how many weeks that was? started like in January, like 12 weeks. So it was like something. a January, like a J term to March of like, Hey, we're meeting every Wednesday night. And this is what we're going to do. This is where we're going to meet and to see how young adults came out of debt. And oh from that, one of the leaders that we had there was a group of how many couples, Josiah? This was wild, Jade. There was, cause we went through, we were, I think, engaged we about to get yep. married. We went through it together, but then one of our friends, Justin, he's like, oh my gosh, his life was changed from FPU like ours was. And he's like, Josiah, can I 
take a group of young adults and just take them through financial peace. I'm like, have at it. As a Bible study for fun. Yep. And so like the next 12 weeks, there was 17 young adults there. First of all, they totaled up all the debt and it was crazy. There was millions of dollars of non-mortgage debt. But in those 12 weeks from 17 people in the group, they paid off, I think, $560,000 as a group collectively, just as a group of young adults that say, you know what? Hey, goosebumps. We want to, we want to live differently. Yeah. And there's Yeah. And I think it's just a testimony of the, what you're representing, just the Dave Ramsey team and you. um, And I would just say, what advice do you have? Maybe one or two things for the young adult ministry leader. How can we better, I don't know, how can we best help young adults live in that financial freedom? Like, what can we do just as leaders to point them in the right direction? Well, I think exposure is big. You know, like what you said, um, a lot of times it's, you don't, you don't know what you don't know, right? Especially when you're young. And a lot of what folks complain about is, man, like financial literacy, like I didn't get this in school. Nobody was teaching me in school how to budget. Mm-hmm. No one was teaching me in school how to manage my money. No one told me the pitfalls of debt. And I think a lot of us fall into that category. And I think that if we're older, we do have a responsibility to go back and teach people and say, hey, here's what you need to know. Like I did have, I will say I had one professor in college who like early on in the semester, he did this one lesson on compound interest. And I remember him saying, if you just invest a dollar a day from the time you're born to blah, 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 blah. And I remember thinking that's cool, but I've already lost, you know, 19 years. So how can this affect me? But even though it wasn't the best lesson for the best time, there was still something that he said that planted a seed of, okay, like investing could be a good thing. And that, you know, it kind of planted that seed in there to where later on, you know, Dave Ramsey was saying things. I'm like, okay, that sounds a little bit familiar. That sounds like something I've heard before. And so I think that what we have to understand as leaders is we may not be the one to create the full harvest, right? Like one person plants it, another person waters it, and that thing starts to grow. So you might be the person that just says, hey, you know, you might want to avoid, think about avoiding debt, you know, understand that you might not be the person that gives them this whole education. You might be the person that reminds them, Hey, budgets are a good thing. You stick to a budget and it just helps you create a plan for your money every month. That's one seed. You might be the person who just tells your story and says, man, I went into debt. And let me tell you, it was the worst thing ever. I was able to pay it off. But if I can give you one piece of advice, it's just don't go into debt, right? Because you don't know what somebody told them the other day. And so when all that stuff compounds on on top of each other, this person starts to realize, okay, like debt's bad or being on a budget is good or, you know, all of these things, investing could really help my future. So really making it intentional to just share with people as it as it comes up. I think as a society, we don't talk enough about money. We don't talk enough about personal finance good things and bad things, right? I wish that more people had said, um, I just wish more people had spoken to me about money because it just kind of becomes like this taboo thing that we don't talk about. And then if you're doing really well, no, you know, you're bragging if you talk about that, right? So it's just talk about money, make it a normal thing to say, hey man, how's it going? Like, how's your job doing? You know, do you need help with your budget? Like if you're a leader of young adults, ask him, hey, do you need any help? I noticed you, you know, you got a new job. Do you want to plan out how you're going to spend that money? Have you ever thought about, you know, how to invest that money? Maybe we can get you hooked up with somebody. I think these are such important ways to lead people and they just kind of get pushed to the wayside. It's Mm -hmm. like, we really focus on I don't know. I probably shouldn't say this, but I feel like sometimes leaders, the thing they focus most on is like, 
I don't know, like who you're dating and like, is your relationship holy, which is really important, but there's also other things that need to be talked about as well. So I'd say throw in the financial conversation as well. (laughs) Yes. Because the number one leading cause of divorce or relationship problems is finances. That's right. (laughs) And it's like, if you can start young, I look the Ramsey show, that's our um, podcast where folks call in and we help them with their money. Just last Friday, or let's see, Friday, it wasn't Friday, it would have been Wednesday. We had someone call in and we had a couple of young callers call in. And I just, I wanted to come through the phone because I was so proud of them. They had their life together financially. And they were calling because they want to know the best way to invest. They're calling because they want to know the best way to spend the money they have saved. And I'm like, oh, that's so good. Like to be 23 and to have done things right because people in your life set you up to be on that track. It is invaluable. Like sometimes, you know, of course people's story, God uses that, but I look back on that and I go, oh man, so much time I spent having to go back and fix, right? Like fix mistakes. And I just, I don't want people to have to do that. Like I want my kids to have a boring testimony when it comes to money. I want them to be like, Hey, I don't have much to say. My parents set me up and I've been going strong since. Like, I don't there want them go. to have like this, <laughs> this long drawn out and the Lord saved me from my debt. Like, I don't want them to have to say that. I had to say that, right? And so, yeah, I just think that as leaders, just try to teach people so they don't have to learn from the same mistakes we, like they don't have to make the same mistakes yeah. we made. Yeah. So, And money should be fun, right? Yes. Yeah. What does yeah. your, your uncle always say? I love this, what oh, he says. You know what? My uncle Bob, he is just a hoot. He's funny. But <laughs> one of the things he, he and my dad both say this. And um, one of the things he said is, hey, Josiah, buying something should be fun. If you saved up and you go buy a car and somebody doesn't treat you with respect, mm-hmm. go somewhere else. You saved up your money. Spending your money should be fun. Like That's you've true. worked hard. This is now time to enjoy. And I think that... You had talked a second ago, Jade, about like, like podcasts. And I remember true story, getting the iPhone in about 06 or 07, like the original OG iPhone. That's right. It had the purple app and the first pod. I was like, what, what is this? And I would search and the first podcast I ever listened to. I was 16 years old. It was the Ramsey show. And come on. I mean, we're just the type of people that give honor where honors do. And I go, okay, that was now 16 years ago, but it changed my life. Every day driving to college, I was 16, but I was taking high school classes and college classes, trying to graduate debt-free. And I I would listen to callers and I would just draw such tremendous inspiration Mm -hmm. and hope and wisdom Mm -hmm. to realize, you know what, anything is possible with God and hard work and putting our, our minds to it and just being consistent, just showing up, yeah. anything's possible. And I just look at 16 years ago, putting in not even AirPods, just like the the headphones <laughs> and how, how that made such an mm-hmm. impact on my life, not taking out student loans, graduating with an associate's mm-hmm. degree, bachelor's degree, master's degree, debt-free. And I think the message today for the listener is this. As a young adult, I think it's so easy to buy the lie and believe that you're falling behind because you're watching friends get engaged this holiday season, or you feel like you're you're falling behind. But here's the message today. You're not falling behind. Mm. 2024, this is a brand new year. Your time is now. And there's resources that are here to help you. One of them is written by our guest, Jade Warshaw, is called Money is Not a Math Problem. And Jade, 
Why did you write this book? And what is your hope for the listener today to know that money is not a math problem? Yeah, you know, I wrote this book as an answer to a question that I get all the time. And it comes in various forms. It's like, Jade, um, I know it's like, I know all the things I'm supposed to do with money. I know I'm supposed to budget. I know I'm supposed to spend less than I make. I know I'm supposed to save. Why can't I do it? And that's the frustrating question that people ask. It's like they're they're ready to pull their hair out because they know what they're supposed to do, but they're unable to do it. And I've I have felt that. And um, I wrote this as an answer to that. And I wanted people to understand, like, when it comes to money, it's not always about math and numbers and dollars and cents. Most of the time it starts in our mind. And most mm -hmm. of the time it's about what we believe. And mm. if we haven't gotten to the core of what we truly believe, we won't see anything happen. It's like what you mentioned before with faith and what you truly believe about what your financial situation should look like. And like for me, I, I embraced a long time ago, I embraced John 10, 10. The thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I've come that they might have life and have it to the full. Some of them say that they might have a rich and satisfying life. One version says that they would have life abundantly. And there was all of these truths that I just had not tapped into. And I'm like, okay, I don't feel like I'm living life to the full. I don't feel like I'm having this abundance that's here. I don't feel like I'm having this richness and satisfaction, especially in the area of my finances. I might be having it in other areas, but I feel like this should be a little bit more all encapsulating. What's what's lacking? And when I looked at that, it was like, okay, I don't believe that I can have it. Like, I don't believe I should. There's something about me that is victimizing myself and going, people like me don't have this or only people with those incomes are supposed to have this or only people who look and act like that get to have. So I realized that my belief system was way off. Like I said, I believed it at face value, but when I really dug deeper, I was like, no, Jade, you have a lot of biases against yourself as to why this is not for you. And when I really started to dig into that, I realized that all these mindsets that I had about money came from, you know, you never know what's going to solidify a thought in your brain. You never know an instance that's going to make you go, oh, that must be why, you know, the sky is blue. Like you, you just have these moments and then you just go on about life. And this book is really about getting to the bottom of why do you believe that? Where did that belief come from? And let's challenge it. Like John Deloney always says all the time, you, we've got to test these thoughts and see if they're true. Like we got to demand witness from this stuff, right? And yeah. so- I started doing that. I started going, Jade, what is it that you believe? Well, I believe that, you know, you can't be a millionaire. I really thought that. I'm like, normal folks can't have a million dollars. I just really believe that. Where did that come from? Had to dig deep to find it. I really believed that budgets were for like some kind of punishment, like budgets were for people who were bad with their money. And, you know, this is kind of their penance in life. You can't take care of your money. You must need to be on a budget. Like these are the things that I believed. And so this book really talks about what you believe and why. So it goes through five beliefs that I had about money and budgets. And then it goes back through and how I got to the bottom of that. And I debunked it and I embraced five truths about money and budgeting that have really just changed my life. And I have the I feel like it will have the ability to change anybody's life who chooses to embrace it, because at the end of the day, we choose what we believe. We get that choice. It is not forced on us. We have autonomy to go. Yeah. I'll take it. I'll believe that. I will take that into my heart. We have the choice to do that. And we have the choice to take things out and go, I, that's not working for me. I think that's a lie. I'm going to pull that out. Right. We have these choices in our life. And a lot of times it really just takes somebody 
or something illuminating that and going, oh, like, I didn't even realize that was like that. I didn't even realize that was there. So I hope that that's what people will get from this is they'll identify some things that have been holding them back mentally so that they can use these tools in the way that they were designed to be used, which is for their great gain and that they can create this rich and satisfying life when it comes to their finances. That is amazing. Well, thank you for doing some of the dirty work that probably is deep seated in our hearts too, without even knowing it. We call that like fruit to root mentality. Like, okay, there's this fruit of whatever belief I'm believing. What is the root? Like the fruit Mm -hmm. to root. What is that insecurity or what is that fear or where did that thought come from? And you were willing to go there. And I don't know if you want to share with the audience, but do you want to go over what are those five truths that you uncovered? Ooh, I'm not going to tell all of them. I'll tell one. The one that the biggest one is a lot of people think that budgeting is a punishment and they think that it's like, it is for people who don't know how to manage their money. It is for people. It's kind of like, this is what you get. If you don't know how to do this, like if you are in debt and if you're, then you must have to be on a budget. So it's like this feeling of like, oh man, I don't want that. That's the punishment. Right. Right. And then I'll give you one other one. The other one is that people think that budgets when, when they're married or with couples, they feel like budgets are best done alone. Like they don't want to combine their money. They don't want to share. They feel like that's going to in some way restrict them or hold them back. And I really go through that one. So that is so yeah, good. Okay. Little... So here's one, maybe a question for the audience. If they're a young adult listening, how can they best start out the year of 2024 when it comes to finances, wherever they're you at know, financially? I think the best way is to first get organized because for most people, they don't, if you don't see there's a problem, what's the point in solving it? It's like, if you don't ever step on a scale, you may not know that you put weight on, right? Because our brain is constantly rationalizing and making things okay, right? So I would say everybody, January 1 or whatever that first day is, just do an audit of your money. And when I say that, I mean, go through, figure out what your income is. You would be shocked about the number of people who, if I say, hey, how much do you make? They're like, "Mm, I think it might be around after taxes. Like they don't, they don't really know. They have kind of a fuzzy idea. And most people do have a fuzzy idea of their money. So go through and get the real numbers, write down how much you make, write down how much it is after taxes, because that's your take-home pay. Then go through and just list out your debts, list out all the money that you owe to people. And you're going to really go like, wow, I, Either I'm doing all right, like I don't have a lot of debt or wow, I've never seen this added up like this before. This is a real problem. So I'd say that's the first thing is really just get organized, look at the numbers. And then the second thing is if you're not on a budget, get on a budget. It's not a punishment. Every, everybody needs a budget. It's going to give you so much freedom because at the end of the day, there's three things you can do with your money. You can give it, you can save it, you can spend it. And you need to know which of those categories you're currently in right now. And are you in a season of you really, really need to be giving more? You can be giving more. Are you in a season where you need you really need to be like holding back and saving more? Like all of those things are really important. And so getting on a budget is really going to help you see that you're going to go, wow, no wonder I've been feeling under the gun. Like I'm I'm kind of negative every month or no wonder I've been having this extra and I can give more. I didn't even realize how much I had. So being able to look at that is so important. So getting organized getting on a budget is so, so the best thing that you could do. I agree. It's, it's kind of like this. I, I just think of what you were just saying, like pretending a problem isn't there. Doesn't make mm-hmm. it go away. That's right. You got to be real. 
gotta be real. Yeah. It's, it's like sweeping things under the rug doesn't actually clean up the mess. It mm-hmm. just, it's still there. Mm-hmm. It might be hidden. And I mean, I remember doing my capstone project for grad school and surveying 850 college students on how much they had in student loans. Almost half, Jade, almost half told me that they didn't know how much they presently had in student loans. And here's what I realized. The reason they didn't know is they didn't want to know. That's right. It's because we all have the access that if you, maybe you forgot your password, well, you're still like, okay, click, I forgot password and you can log in. Like you can find out how much is on your student loan balance, but pretending the problem isn't there, doesn't make it go away. And I think Mm -hmm. that getting on a budget, embracing the, the challenge and embarking on a new year to say, you know what, this is the year that we're going to take control of our future and discover financial freedom. And there's tools that can really help. And Jada, I would be really curious, talk for a minute about the importance for a leader that financial health plays. Because, I mean, we talk to entrepreneurs and sometimes the story that gets celebrated is the rags to riches or mm. I put all the debt on my credit card and I found a way to, to, you know, just out earn my stupidity. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. You know, but, but even for the pastor, that's maybe like, I'm my, I have a dorm dream. I want to launch a ministry. I want to start a nonprofit or I want to lead a church for their life individually. How important, can you talk for a minute about the importance of financial health in their life? Well, you know, I would say, I mean, specifically for that group of people, but really for anybody, you know, when you have debt, it it affects the way you work, period, right? Um, so many of us can relate to this idea of like, I just work to pay bills. Like I go to work because I have bills to pay. I go to work because I have to pay my car note. I go to work for these reasons. And I think that people don't realize, okay, let's say you are going to start your own thing. Let's say that you're starting a ministry or let's say that you're starting, um, you know, something entrepreneurial. And the first thing you do is you go to the the bank and you take out a business loan. Well, now you've got the pressure of that strapped to your back. It changes the way you make decisions. Now, when opportunities come to make money, instead of filtering it through this idea of what do I think God wants me to do? What do I think is going to be best for people? What do I think will serve people well? You might inadvertently filter it through what's going to make me the most money because I've got this bill to pay back, right? And so I don't think that we realize how much that affects the, the choices that we make because at the end of the day, there is this you know, John can speak to this better than I can, Dr. John Deloney, but there is this part of all of us that is looking for safety, right? That's looking to protect ourselves because it's just part of who we are. So when we're in debt, our body knows that we're in debt and our body is like freaking out and wants to protect itself. So don't think that if you're in business and you've got, you know, your house leveraged or you, you know, took out a, you took out all the equity in your home in order to do this business deal, that you're not going to feel that and you're not going to make self-serving choices because of it. You're going to have to work doubly hard for that not to be the case. I mean, when my husband and I were in debt, we started a business and we were like, we've got number one, we're already in debt. So when we do this business, it's got to be debt free. It's got to be at the the speed of cash. And I. So many times the people that we worked with were shocked at the choices that we made and shocked at how we treated people and how we worked with people because we didn't have the debt on our business, it was like, no, that's not who I want to work with. Or no, we don't treat people like that. I don't care how much money is on the table. 
this is not happening. And people couldn't believe that. I'm like, there's nothing holding us back. Like there's, we're not chained to anything and nothing is trying to, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And so I would just say to people, look, you want to start something, do it, but move at the speed of cash because when you allow debt, it does factor in and it does control you, whether you understand it fully in the moment or not. Um, and at the end of the day, it just opens up your, it really does open up your heart and your mind to opportunities. When you can, like, I know there's a lot of young adults listening. When you can enter the world and the workforce without debt, the world's your oyster. You don't have to take an opportunity because, oh, I've got my student loans. You know, this nursing gig will pay more or this you know, teaching job pays more. It just gives you freedom. And at the end of the day, I think everybody wants freedom, whether it's freedom in their money or freedom in the choices that they make. Hey, you maybe you want to start a family now when you're not in debt. You feel like, okay, like we can handle this. Like there's so many things that you can do when you're not strapped down by debt, especially when it comes to your business. So Yes, that's so good. I think one thing that Josiah and I have obviously adopted are the Dave Ramsey principles. And we were um we were on a college campus for five years doing young adult ministry and working with students and we were considered in-state missionaries. So we were having supporters, people financially support us, we're friends and family and churches. And we did not have any financial debt. We have, our cars are paid off. The cell phones are not on a plan. Like all these different things are all paid off and to be able to pay cash and to be able to pay things up front. You could walk out of the store being like, we pay this and we don't owe anybody anything. Like there is truly a freedom of like, wow, thank you, God, that we, yeah, did we work hard to get the money to pay for what we wanted? Yes, but it was fun because it made it, it was a family event. Mm-hmm. You know, like you make it a family thing. Like, okay, here's the gold jar. What are we going to do when that gold jar is filled with X amount of dollars to do fill in the blank? And that's, right. that's where we get to make it a family affair and just have some fun with it. And it gives you the opportunity to live and do the God-sized dreams that he has placed inside of us without any contingency plans attached to somebody else's dollar bill. Ooh, and I love think it. that is the freedom that I desire for every young adult listening, as yeah. well as the pastor, yep. as well as the entrepreneurial spirit, because we have an entrepreneurial spirit. We are a nonprofit right now, but we were able to take and make that pivot Obviously, we prayed about it. We invited God into the center of it. But we were saying, okay, Lord, if this is what you have, we will do it. Even if we look crazy, we will do it. Even if it becomes like this thing that has not yet been done, if you want us to pioneer and plow through new soil and be the first to go, we will be the first to go. But who are we taking there with us and who can stand on our shoulders long after we're gone? So what are we living and leaving um, right now in regards to a legacy? Like, how are we living that out? And I feel like when you are financially free, you were able to breathe, you find your satisfaction, not in how much money you've made, but your relationship with Jesus, your relationship with your friends and family, and you can leave people and places better than you found them because there's not an exchange of what can I get out of them or what can I get from them? Because we all can bring something, whether it's tangible or intangible. Like that's one of our mottos in the house. Like, nope, we leave people and places better than we found them. If it's through Mm -hmm. words, if it's through actions, if it's through finances, that is the people that we want to be like to others. And I don't know if you want to say anything else, Josiah, about like this experiencing that financial freedom is truly a real thing. Yeah. yeah. And and I look at half of my life ago was when I discovered Dave Ramsey and you know what, really too, it's the same things that my parents taught me, but I think because it was somebody else, it (laughs) seemed new or novel. It seemed like, Oh, like my parents didn't take out debt. 
oh, he talked about why. And and this this really just resonated with me. It really made sense. But I think we, to Micah's point, we've been able to follow the call of God that we've sensed on our life and take some bold steps of faith. And I think the biggest reason mm-hmm. is because we didn't have student loans. We didn't have credit card mm-hmm. debt. We, we didn't have those chains that you were describing that mm-hmm. were then reasons that, that it was logical to say no. It was like, why not? Like, yes, we can. Our yeah. answer is yes. Yeah. Um, here's one fun question before we do the five and five, you have two young kids. Okay. We have two young kids. Our daughters are three and a half and two Aurora and Avalon. How are you teaching your kids about money? And, and maybe what's your hope for, for your kids or our kids or the next generation when it comes to finances? You know, for my kids right now, the biggest thing that I want them to understand is where all their blessings come from, right? If they got it and it's good, it's from God. That's what our pastor used to say. And that's what I teach my kids. So whenever they get something, the thing is, God, I'm thankful or I'm grateful. And I, that is what I want them to know. So like at, when we sit down for dinner, it's like, Hey, tell me something you're grateful today for. And they'll tell me something they're grateful for. So I just really want them to learn like, this is not like the the blessings that we have. Sure. Like we play a part and we work hard and we go out and get it. But at the end of the day, everything comes from God, all of our opportunities to work, the bo- a healthy body to be able to move and work. All of that stuff comes from God. And we've got to be grateful to the one that gives it to us very generously. Wow. Like even a mind, a mind to want to get out of debt. I say to Sam, my husband, Sam, all the time, I'm like, I'm just grateful that God gave us a mind to even want to do these things because plenty of people hear the message and they don't want to do it, right? So it's like just being grateful. And that's what I want to teach my kids is gratitude. I'm so thankful, mama. I'm so thankful, God, I'm so thankful. So we're just really teaching them to say that and be aware of that every single day. Um, So that's part one. Part two is we want them to understand that things and stuff is not what makes them, you know, that's not what's going to give them fulfillment. It's not what's going to make them happy. Rachel Cruz, one of the other personalities, she came out with a book. It's called I'm Glad for What I Have. And it, let me tell you, it is such a great children's book to teach gratitude and thankfulness and contentment. And that's really what I'm going through my kids with is like, hey, we don't buy something every time we go to the store. Y'all just need to understand that we buy things that we need and that's it. And stuff is not what's going to make us happy. Like I tell my son all the time, I'm like, buddy, you've got lots of toys. If I buy you one more toy, it's not going to make you happier. It's just going to give you one other thing to clean up. (laughs) And so like, I want him to understand it's going to give me something to clean up too. Like I want him to understand like every things are not what makes us feel content. It's just makes us feel crowded out sometimes. And so to be really thoughtful about what we buy. And one of the things I've been doing recently, which is just great for moms and dads is we give away something before we buy something new. And it's like, okay, if you want to buy something new, let's think of something that we can give to some other kids that don't have as much as you. So that's kind of, I just, that's where I'm at right now. They're three and five, so I can't make it too heavy, but I just think that there's things that they can start to get a, a feeling for. And again, kind of coming back to our earlier conversation, they have to see me do it. You know, they see me go through my closet and pull out a bunch of things and we're giving this to goodwill. So it's not just me teaching. They have to hear me at dinner go, God, I'm so grateful. You know, tell my husband, Sam, thank you for making dinner. I'm so grateful. Like they've got to hear us say that. And the more they hear it, the more they want to say it. And so it really is leading by example as well. 
That's so good. Those are definitely some practical things all parents, I think, can do of, of just exactly what you said. And we're doing elements of that, even from cleaning out the closet. They'll ask, why are you going through your clothes? I'm like, because I want to bless somebody else. That's right. These are too big. These are too small. I never wear this. Like somebody else can be blessed by this. You never know what, you know, could bless others. So yes, definitely agree with that. And we just want to bless our audience with something that they love. And that is a five in five challenge. Jade, are you up for the challenge? I'm always up for a challenge. Let's go. <laughs> okay. So question number one, we have five minutes on the clock, five questions. And um, do you have a favorite sports team? If so, who are they or what sport? Uh, always basketball. Uh, back in the day, definitely Chicago Bulls fan. I love anything Jordan, anything retro Bulls. Um, but now I love the Miami Heat. Um, I used to live in South Florida. So Miami Heat's my team. Um, yes, Miami Heat. I love it. So fun. We love that question. And we're Minnesota. So all the Minnesota sports, but this one's off script. We didn't send you this one. I think you'll love it though. On Instagram, Jade Warshot is a great follow. One of the things you talk about is of course, money and budgeting, but you also do some meal prep. Tell us like, what's your go-to meal right now on a budget for us, for the listener, what could we prep this week that might shake things up a bit on a budget? Ooh, you want to shake it up? Okay, I'll give you two. If you don't want to shake it up, you're like, Jade, just what's easy? Anything that's pasta is always easy because you can make it on the spot and you can really like buy some delicious sauces that kind of take it up a notch and make it easy if you're not ready to cook. It's like, all right, just boil the water. Do not boil the pasta, put it in a bowl and then pour the sauce on top. That's child's play. You got to mix it together in the pot. All right. Like you have to mix it together in the pan. So it all gets together. I'm just throwing that out there. Um, So we do eat pasta. If I'm in a pinch, that's one of the things we do. But usually what I'll do, I'm a vegetarian. And so I'll prep ahead of time. I'll go in and I'll boil and make rice and quinoa and portion that out ahead of time, throw it in the freezer, um, sweet potatoes, things like that. I make a lot of um, roasted tofu and I'll do different marinades and I'll do that ahead of time. So that I, I just think as much as you can get ahead, your future self will thank you. Like I'll prep uh, overnight oats or something like that ahead of time. So just always consider your future self, your future self on Wednesday. The Jade of Wednesday will be very grateful for the things that I did this weekend. <laughs> yes. I'm going to check out your Instagram, see if I can find any tofu. I just got it and I put it in something and Josiah's like, that wasn't chicken. I go, you're right. He's like, it tasted like tofu. And I was like, uh-oh, right. uh-oh. you got to freeze it first. That's the key. I didn't know a trick. I got yeah, you to know these tricks. Freeze. That's right. Freeze I'm taking first, notes. Then, then defrost it and it changes the texture. Oh, come on. Okay. Easy thing. I can do that. That's okay. right. I'll call it question number three. Here's the curveball. If you could ask Josiah and myself any question under the sun, what would you ask us today? Oh, that's a good question. Um, what are you getting each other for Christmas? You know what? Here's what we're doing. We're doing a family big gift. For our family this year, we have we're 18 months, like a year and a half into a nonprofit. And just fundraising has just been like treading water. And it's yeah. just, so we've just been in a grueling season as a family balling on a budget for our personal life and our ministry. But um, we have a supporter of our ministry has a place in Florida. And he said that we could take our family and stay there. And Sweet. then we used some savings literally mm-hmm. last week to book flights. Mm-hmm. So early January, that's our Christmas gift this year to our family, to mm-hmm. our girls. And, and I mean, we told them about it the other, the other day and our three and a half year old, she goes, that's what I've been wishing for dad. <laughs> yeah. 
to go to the beach with you and to play and to have a daddy daughter date and, and find get some, some of those seashells. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. I love it. What part yeah. of Florida or is it Florida or where are you yeah, going? Yeah. Uh, St. Petersburg, Florida. So we'll fly into Tampa, stay there for a week. And we are, excited. we love the heat and love, we love Florida. So me too. That's my home state, man. I love it. That's great. So good. I love it. Okay. Question number four, babe. Four. Okay. Speaking of travel, what would be your go-to like, and maybe it's Florida. I don't know, but if, if you could go on a road trip with your fam, where are you going? And what's a, what's a like must have snack? Oh, a road trip. Okay. Let me think road trip. Oh, are my kids coming or is it just me and Sam? <laughs> You said trip, not vacation. Vacation is you and Sam. You can do it. Okay. <laughs> if it's me and Sam, if it's me and Sam, we're probably going to the beach because that's just our spot. Um, otherwise, other than that, I probably want to go to New York. I just love New York City. It's great. Um, although I don't, I would want to go in the winter. In the summertime, that's when the smells come out. So I would say New York in the winter and South Florida in the summer and road trip snacks. Okay. I'm usually a clean eater, but my favorite snack is these. It's made by like Frito Lay, and it's like these curly. Oh, the I don't know what they're ones. called. The spiral ones, and they have like barbecue flavor. Oh man, they're so good. That's the only time I let myself have those because they are delicious, and I could probably barbecue eat the whole twists. bag. Barbecue yeah. twists, yes, they're so good. Good choice. Yeah, they're delicious. All right, question number five, and we'll let you get on with your day and the listener as well. But if you could leave the listener with one word of encouragement, what would you leave them with today? Um, I would tell them that they're capable of more than they ever thought possible. And it's hard for us because we look at ourselves and we see our flaws and we see the things we haven't accomplished and we see a, a huge expanse of time in front of us and we just think like, I, I don't know if I can. And like I said, most of us probably struggle with the confidence of being able to keep our own word to ourselves. But I would just say that take a chance on yourself and and just start. Like, don't think about the whole journey. Just think about the very first step and just take that one step. And if you let that be how you devote your life every day, I'm just, what's the next right step? You will look up and before you know it, you will have covered this expanse and you'll go, man, I cannot believe how far I've come. And you'll know like, hey, it wasn't just me. Like I, I had a lot of help along the way, like God helped me. But at the same time, you'll like I said, you'll create this this confidence of like, man, I cannot believe I was able to accomplish that. And so just give yourself credit like you're you're able to learn new things. You're able to accomplish new things. You're able to stick to a task. And it's not about being perfect. Like you're never going to do anything perfect, but you're able to create real progress in your life and you're able to climb real mountains in your life. And there's a lot of things out there that want to make us think it's not possible, but it is. Oh That's my awesome. gosh, Jade. All I could think about, I'm a baseball fan and all I could think about when you were talking is the difference between a 250 hitter and a 300 hitter. 300, you're going to the Hall of Fame. 250, you're getting sent down to the minor leagues. And when you break it down over 162 games in a season, the difference is one extra base hit per week. Wow. And so I think mm. to double down on what you just said, what's that next right step for you to take this week? And you'll be amazed if you incrementally improve that batting average, go after one extra base hit a week, spend the extra time, 
go to the batting cages, put in the discipline, but one extra base hit a week is that difference between good and great. And that's our hope for you when it comes to your finances, when it comes to your life, your leadership, you can do it. We're here to cheer you on. Thank you so much, Jade. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. We loved it. You're listening to the Young Adults Today podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to subscribe, leave a review, and share this with someone you know.